Hi, my name is Lynn, and I'm the creator of the blog, Living Large in a Small House. I'm passionate about decorating, entertaining, cooking, gardening, and organizing. Basically, everything that makes a house a home. I'm the wife of the handiest man in the whole world, and I call him handy on my blog. I'm mom to three grown kids, Kenny who lives in LA, Annie who lives in Dallas, and my youngest Emma who lives with us in the northwest suburbs of Chicago. So thanks for listening and tagging along as we live large in our small house. Welcome back to another episode of Living Large Podcast. We're starting out season four with a very special guest, my friend Renee, the creator of the blog Peacock Ridge Farm. Welcome, Renee. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Um, let's get started by having you share a little bit about yourself and where you live. Okay. Um, again, my name is Renee Fry. My company is called Peacock Ridge Farm. I was an interior, I am an interior designer and I owned a boutique for 20 years. And due to COVID, I have reinvented myself. So I am now blogging and absolutely loving it. I live on a 10 acre farm in the foothills of the Cascade Mountains. We're in a beautiful location. And I talk about, write about, and show um, changes that we've made around the farm, changes that we made about the home. I share tablescapes and recipes and, and just everything home. You do, and you do it beautifully too. So Thank that's you. why I'm so excited that you're um, my first guest on this season. And this is an especially fun interview because we've been blogging friends for a about a year, I think mm -hmm. we figured about a year. Mm -hmm. And we both um, met in a mentoring group, Thistlewood Farm with uh, Kari Ann Wood. And we finally met each other at Haven, a bloggers convention in Atlanta this past July. Mm -hmm. So um, I thought it'd be fun to start off talking about our blogging journey since that's how we met. Okay. Um, can you share with me when you started blogging and kind of what, what was your, what was your why? Like, did you know other, I know I, I didn't know any bloggers other than I didn't like know any big bloggers. bloggers, like no. none of my friends were blogging or anything. Yeah. Like I said, I was designing and I had the boutique open and my favorite thing about design and having the boutique is I love sharing my passion with others. And I was looking for a way to reinvent myself where I can still share that. I mean, that's who I am is an entertainer, a designer. You know, I love my hands in the dirt. I love a good DIY. And um, so I just actually, you know, God said, hey, I think you should be a blogger. And I'm like, wow, that's awesome. What's a blogger? <laughs> and I really didn't have a clue. So I Googled um, what blogging was and I started really looking for people in my niche and I love it. I absolutely love it. I've met the um, most talented, lovely people, you included. 
And I feel like I have found my people. So it's a great industry, having a blast, so supportive of each other. So it's wonderful. Well, and my next question was going to be, what, what's your favorite thing about blogging? But it, I mean, you just basically shared with us why you love it so much. And for me, it was a reinvention too. When I lost my corporate job, I had been blogging for about 10 years, but I hadn't ever taken it seriously. Like I could go a whole year without posting a blog post. But once I didn't, I wasn't working, it was my opportunity to take this passion of mine. And I also am an interior designer. I just was finally able to take my passion and run with it. And I didn't take it seriously. I wouldn't even call myself a blogger till after, really after Haven is when I feel like I really put the um, pedal to the metal and I really got serious because I finally was understanding all the background stuff, which leads into my next question. What is the most challenging thing for you about blogging? There are a lot of challenges in blogging. Probably the hardest thing for me is the pace in which we have to learn new things. And, you know, at at my age, it's a little harder to learn those Mm -hmm. things. And technology itself moves so fast. So by the time I think that I have a website figured out or an app figured out, you know, there's always updates or social media is changing how how their algorithms work. And so it's really fast moving. I think that that's a pro and a con. Right, right. I would agree. I think the technical stuff, we, I think both of us went into blogging thinking we just can sit and write and Mm -hmm. that was it. And Uh the technical stuff is so much more complicated than I think anybody would ever imagine. Mm -hmm. I feel like 80% of my day is the technical background stuff and 20% is the creating and the writing. That's quick. Mm -hmm. That's the quick part. The other challenge for me is getting in front of the camera. I hate it. And I have to figure it out. (laughs) I I felt the very same way when, you know, again, our mentor, Carianne Woods from Thistlewood kept saying, get in front of that camera, get in front of that camera. And I was thinking, there is no bigger torture than looking at yourself, right? And speaking to yourself. And you do become much more comfortable with it to where it's, it feels much more natural, but yeah, the, the curve of getting comfortable looking at yourself. Well, yeah, we're our own worst critic Mm -hmm. and we, you know, I've, I've never been happy to, I've never had my picture taken much because I just don't really, I I'm so critical of myself Mm -hmm. and, um, I need to get over that. I mean, I'm at this age, it's time to just say, but Lynn, remember we're in the business of encouraging others, right? Right. Right. Whether it's encouraging them to make the their house their home and a comfortable beautiful place for them to live or whether it's designing a beautiful tablescape to entertain friends and family or recipes for feeding their family but right. what what our business is really all about is inspiring others and so 
kind of what I'm learning is I'm enough, right? Right. right. You're, you're enough. And that's what I want our followers to know is they're enough. Exactly. Right? Exactly. And the more human we are with our followers yeah. and the more, more we can engage with them because exactly. they don't want us to be fake. They don't want us to be something we're not. Um, you know, all this stuff on social media that people see, it's all smoke and mirrors. I'm telling you, the most beautiful houses, because what you see on my feeds, what's behind me is chaos. <laughs> well, it's funny that you say that because I'm actually starting a new, I wouldn't call it a segment, but it's called, the title is The Rest of the Story. And that's where I'm snapping How pictures. Fun. I'm turning around and showing the backside of the room right. what real life really looks like, right? I mean, I'm no different than anybody else. When I look at my floor after I'm cooking something, mm-hmm. it's a mess, right? right. My counters right. are a mess. The beauty of... Um, video editing is we get to cut all of that out so that it looks like we're perfect, like we're neat and tidy all the time that we don't make mistakes. And that's just the farthest from the truth. It is the farthest from the truth. And not that we're not tidy in general with our homes, but when you're doing something and you're creating something, you don't have time to stop, clean up your mess and take that picture because usually you're working like I'm typically working on a tight light timeline, mm-hmm. you know, so mm-hmm. it can't wait for me to clean up the mess and the dishes. Right. I have to take that picture right now. Well, so. which leads me to another thought is when we do a project, it takes twice as long to do the project because of all of the filming. Right. Yeah. Because we do have to set up all of our angles. We need to set up our lighting, you know, make sure that our mics are working. And then when we stop the recording, we have to take our camera down and we have to take our snapshot several times. So it does take us twice as long to do a project. And I, and sometimes, I don't know about you, but I get so involved in the project, sometimes I'll forget a shot too. And then I, mm-hmm. I feel like it's total, I've totally wasted an afternoon or I'm going to have to, you know, re- recreate it or pretend. I mean, there's times I've put things together, like meals and things that have already been eaten. And, <laughs> and <laughs> I take the leftovers and I redo the plate because I forgot that one of the shots. Take that plate away from your husband. Hold on. Don't eat. <laughs> Hold on. Don't eat. I, I, I have said that before. Don't anybody eat yet. I've got to take pictures. <laughs> well, my husband is starting to call our house the FOHO because in the pictures, everything looks so neat and tidy and it's not real life or all set in elaborate tablescape and nobody's eating dinner there. Right. Yeah, and so, exactly. Uh, exactly. There is a lot of smoke and mirrors, but that doesn't change our passion for that, right? Our right. homes, our tablescapes, our recipes are our canvas. We're artists in these are our different mediums. Right. And, and like you said, our job is to create and inspire, mm-hmm. you know, to even, even if you don't really want to 
do it yourself, take and do it as elaborate as we might do it. Grant, we go over the top sometimes, right. since there right. are times where it wouldn't even be um, conducive to eating the way that we've got our tables. Right. But there's little bits and pieces that people might grab from our creations that we're hoping inspire but them. That's the comments that I get all the time is, I always find a bit of inspiration something that fits me that I can do. So when we do our projects, we're not expecting you to, to do it exactly the same way, to do it over the top, because it makes it really hard to live with that much stuff on your table, right? Right. You, right. you can't eat because... It's it's the flower arrangement is yeah. is flowing yes. into your plate. Yeah. <laughs> but to take bits and pieces of that, exactly. right? To make exactly. it work for you. When we do a project, just take the bits and pieces that work for you. Right. Um, and we're gonna talk a lot more about home decorating and gardening, but my one last question about blogging for you is if you had one tip that you would give people who want to start a blog what would that be? Jump, immediately jump. It's um, it's almost like doing a zip line for your very first time. Um, standing on that flat, standing on that platform and taking that initial jump is the scary part. But once you do that jump and you're sailing through the air, it's thrilling. So jump, go do it. There, this blogging community is so, so supportive that you will run into problems. You will have questions, but reach out. We are all so willing to help each other and we're just continually passing on that knowledge. Right. And I would add that the the best money I ever spent was at $10 joining mm -hmm. Thistlewood Mastermind class. Mm -hmm. And I will put in the show notes, the link, if you're interested in joining. Um, I, that's when it all started to make sense. And that's where I met all these amazing mm -hmm. blogging friends. And that's what gave me the courage to go to Haven for the first time. So mm -hmm. that would be yeah. my tip. And the second tip, though, which I think you will agree is to find your tribe. Because finding that, that smaller tribe where you can support each other within the larger tribe is essential. And that's where the relationships really cement. Well, and that, and I don't know, I, I don't think I mentioned that in the beginning of this podcast that we chat once a week with our, mm -hmm. with a few other blogging friends and you and I tend to chat a little bit more often than yes. that or text, yes. you know, I don't think a day goes by where we don't text or say something to each other. And if other. it does, it feels weird, but these are genuine relationships, right? It is. It's it so, it, be, it's so bizarre. Yeah. It used to be taboo to have an online friend, mm -hmm. but it's really relate a uh, real relationship. And like I said earlier, you know, this is where you find your people, right? And so right. it's it's wonderful. Okay, so let's let's move on to home and garden. And Renee couldn't be at more opposite of living large in a small house in the Pacific Northwest because she lives. She said earlier on ten acres. Her home is is large, 
but there's other things at that on that property too. Can you share a little bit about your home, about the property? I do have some barns. One one of the barns uh, we use for events, and um, we just finished building that and just did a reveal on that um, this week. So that's fun. We do have a second barn where I have a cottage that I use for um, a lot of my photo shoots. So it's a little bit more intimate and I can share a little bit of a different style in the cottage. I also have a greenhouse where I like to do um, some vignettes in there and some stories in there. But we have uh, large pastures and we have cutting gardens and vegetable gardens. And um, yeah, it's, it's a big pro- property, which means it's a big job as well. But everything that I do and share, again, you take the bits and pieces to make it work for you. So you don't have to go and plant 45 blueberry plants. You can just plant two, right? So you don't right. have to do it on the same scale that I do, but just take take from it and make it work for what you have. And on my little court, I don't, I don't know. I'm gonna guess it's a quarter of an acre. It might be a little bit more. Um, it just, it seems bigger because we have a park next to us and we have a water behind, you know, behind us. So it seems like we have a big piece of property, but on paper, it's really not that big. And I use every inch of it with mm-hmm. my gardens, and I have chickens, and you know. The whole, if I, I don't have, do... I don't have a barn and I don't have a cow, which I would love to have a yeah. little cow, but I don't. <laughs> However, I think that there's so much beauty um, for your size of house. Oh my goodness. I couldn't even imagine how I could knock out such a, a, a beautiful home that's your size because I think that sometimes with a bigger house, it's just a never ending, you know, financially, it costs a whole lot more to finish all of the rooms and with the bigger projects as well. Sometimes the projects have to be so big and such um, financially intensive that I think that you lose some of that joy, some of that ease, it gets complicated. So I think that the way that you do it, Lynn, is ideal, absolutely ideal. Well, I'm, I can make it just as complicated. I, yeah. I just redo everything two and three mm-hmm. times. I get bored. I get bored mm-hmm. with the way it is. So yeah. of all the projects you've done, and I know you've done a lot, what's your probably your favorite project in the house? Well, speaking of redoing things many times, I have done my dining room many times. And originally when we purchased the house, we had a wall that separated our dining room from our kitchen. We removed that wall and we installed vintage brick floor in a herringbone pattern, which is my number one favorite thing that I've done to the house. But what I'm in the middle of doing right now is painting a mural above some wainscoting. And I've always loved that look. And so I'm giddy about that. It'll be my favorite project. I'm sure it will be. It's always the next project is my favorite project. (laughs) That's true. That's true. 
Um, do you have a project though that you would have done differently or that you felt was kind of a mistake? Many, many. In fact, I, I'm not even finished with the master bedroom here at the lake. And I walk in there and paint's wrong. I'm I'm not finished with adding the beadboard and the trim around it and it's not right. And so I will have to go back in and completely paint that room, which will be a pain beans. I just painted it, but it's not right. And um, paint is tough. Even for us who are interior Mm -hmm. designers, I have Mm -hmm. to live with big swatches on my walls Mm -hmm. for a long time and watch the different light and, but we can't watch the different seasons that, you know, sometimes you put something out. I've made a lot of paint mistakes. And sometimes once you bring in the accessories, bring in the fabrics, you're like, no, that looked good before, but not with the accessories. So yes, I will be painting that room again shortly. And um, when you bring in the accessories, I know that you're a lover of buying and decorating on a budget. So yeah. what's your, your tips and like, how do you suggest that people can decorate beautifully on a budget? Stay out of uh, the stores, stay out of the pottery barn, stay out of the Williamson Sonomas and go to antique malls, go to estate sales, go to garage sales, because there are so many really, really beautiful products that you can get for a very good price. And your your end product will look more original. It won't look like you've gone to Hobby Lobby, just like your neighbor went to Hobby Lobby and your homes are the same. So go vintage, reuse, you'll save a lot of money and your project will be much more individualistic. It'll be much more personalized to you. And the haunt is so much fun because you never know what you're going to find. Right. Have you ever ever watched Friends? Yes. That episode where she he goes, that's page 67 of the pottery <laughs> But that's so true. That's, you know, kind of my whole point is when we are designing our homes, we want it to reflect us in who we are and not a page on a magazine. Exactly. Right? Exactly. Um, I'm a big, I love Goodwill. I don't go often enough. And now ours don't take furniture. So I don't really go that often often at all because I'm looking for that $5 wingback chair that I can totally rip apart. I've made two, actually three beautiful deconstructed wingback chairs from that cost me $5. Really? I definitely want to see those because that's amazing. But again, you find beautiful, unique items that don't cost you a lot of money. Right. So if you do get tired of those items, you can pass them on, right? Because it doesn't cost you a lot of money. And then you go back and and thrift some more and bring something else home. But right. it's it gives you the freedom to keep changing things up and having your, your home decor grow and change with you. Well, and I don't know about you, but I think you feel the same way. When I do 
do those thrift store and Goodwill and, and Facebook Marketplace is another biggie for me. Mm -hmm. I love me that. Mm -hmm. um, then I don't feel bad if I do splurge at Williams-Sonoma or Pottery Barn right. for some, right. you know, like little accessories here and there right. that make it special or give that pop to the space. Exactly. Exactly. But not to do it for everything, right? Exactly. Because I do. When I splurge, I go to Pottery Barn and get my drapes, or mm -hmm. I go to Williams-Sonoma and purchase some dishware because their dishware is amazing. It's beautiful. Yeah. It is beautiful. Yeah. So speaking of dishware, tablescapes, that's something you, I, like when I think of Peacock Ridge Farm, I think number one, beautiful tablescapes. Thank you. you know, it, it's changing a little bit, but when I met you originally, I that was like your table scapes are just fabulous and over the top, but beautiful and inspiring. And I, like you said earlier, I always take a nugget from that and think, oh, I could do that or, oh, yeah. that would be cute. Yeah. Um, so what is your favorite thing to use when you're making a tablescape? Well, I, I do a tablescape once a month, and I usually have a theme for my tablescape. So um, this, this month, I am doing a Kentucky Derby tablescape. Ooh. And yeah, so I'm really excited about it. And so it changes. I, I actually shop my house before I do a tablescape. So I have some old vintage um, trophies that I used for this tablescape. I've used a mix of old dishware. So I love the layering. I, I think that's probably the number one thing that I like is being able to mix and match my dishes to fit the theme because it's, it's constantly changing, right? The, right. the look of de depending on what charger you use with which plate, which with the salad plate, right? It, your dinnerware is constantly changing its personality depending on what it's mixed with. So that's I fun. agree. I agree. Mm -hmm. And I, I like white plates are my staple on almost yeah. every tablescape. Yeah. I just change out the placemats or the chargers or the combination of the both. And then I have collections of every imaginable color and size of salad plates. And exactly. that's where the interest to me exactly. seems to come in. And that's an incredible tip is that for your everyday dinnerware, do all white because it'll mm -hmm. match everything. Anything. Everything. And then switch out your placemats and your salad plates and your napkins and you have a whole new look without spending a lot of money exactly exactly so what's your best tip for easy entertaining is planning well and doing as much as you can before the event nothing is worse than going to somebody's home you're invited for a holiday dinner and they're stressed out and crazy getting the food on the table instead of 
welcoming you into their home with open arms and just really excited to see you, they're really worried about what's going on the table and how that's getting done. And that's uncomfortable. So do as much as you can beforehand so that you can enjoy your guests because that's what entertaining is all about. Right. I, I would say that's my number one tip too, is make ahead anything you can make ahead mm-hmm. the day before. Mm-hmm. Even mm-hmm. there are things that I'm able to make a week before and yep. put in the freezer or it'll, it'll stay in the refrigerator. And I am very organized too. Like I start, mm-hmm. I work backwards. Like, you know, here's the, here's the day of the event. When mm-hmm. does this need to all be done? But so remember that, I, that tablescape can be done well ahead of time. Right. 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 Get that done and then, you know, work on to the next step. My favorite entertaining that I've ever done is the kind where I'm so prepared that an hour before I'm already dressed, everything's yep. ready, and I'm able to sit down with my husband. And yep. I always have to go over names of people because, he, you know, like so-and-so's wife or so-and-so's husband he doesn't uh, he knows them but he doesn't necessarily know a spouse or Mm -hmm. maybe if there's children involved he can't remember all the kids names so Mm -hmm. those times where we get to sit down and take that hour breather maybe have a glass of wine Mm -hmm. before everybody gets there those are the ones that kind of stick out in my mind as as great the ones where i'm still fussing and running around Mm -hmm. it's not fun There's a quote of, um, I'm going to mess this quote up, but it's, um, people will never forget how you make them feel, mm-hmm. right? They're going to forget what your hair looked that like that day ate. or what you wore or what you ate from that dinner party, but they're never going to forget how you made them feel. And so I, I think that is the number one key is make sure that when you're entertaining, you're, you're really loving on this people and not caught up in the whole perfectionism right. at right. the table or the meal. Exactly. It, when it all comes together though, boy, is, that is perfection. Lovely. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's wonderful. So speaking of food, you have a cookbook. Can I do a little bit about that with us. I do. So as my husband and I um, were hitting 40 and then 45 and your body's changing and, and um, foods don't, um, foods don't feel the same when you consume them. So my husband and I decided that we were going to start eating um, healthier foods. And when we started, it was like, okay, you can have some grilled fish, you can have some grilled chicken and a salad. That's a healthy meal. And then you start it and you think, holy cow, you can't have grilled fish and grilled chicken in a salad for every every lunch and every dinner for the rest of your life. Right. And when you start taking out, you know, the carbs and the sugars, it's, it's almost like, what do I eat now? And that's when I started researching what you could eat now. And I'm telling you, it's a bounty of amazing um, food opportunities out there. And so that's when I started getting really creative is look at all of these options I didn't know that I had before. So for me, 
food, um, health, food being healthy is, um, is great, but if it's healthy and it doesn't taste good and it's not interesting, I'm not going to eat it. And so with this cookbook, I tried to make the flavors really complex and, um, interesting and exciting to eat, but I don't like spending a lot of time in the kitchen. And so I do um, tend to simplify recipes. So to me, that's a plus. And what's the name of the cookbook? Clean Eating at Peacock Ridge Farm. And you can find, we can find that at Amazon, right? You can find it on Amazon or you can find it on my website at peacockridgefarm.com. Which I will leave all that information in the show notes too. Um, Yeah, I I need to get myself a copy. Actually, I have one for you. I will send that to you. You are too sweet. You are too sweet. So now on to gardening. You mm-hmm. live in the Pacific Northwest, and yes. I all of my life I've been a lover of beautiful things. I mean, when I used to babysit, I was thinking of this last night when I was 14, 15 years old, and I would babysit. The TV was over at like midnight or sometimes even before that, or nothing I'd want to watch. And I used to flip through these ladies' better homes and gardens and all their magazines, which I guess it's kind of odd for a teenage girl to be interested in that, but I was. And every time I saw a beautiful garden, it was always in the Pacific Northwest. Oh, And, you know, your climate is just so different than ours. We were talking about this before we started recording. It's April 2nd in Illinois and we, it's snowing like crazy here. You on the other hand have, some sunshine. I have sunshine and about 50 degrees. So I actually do have my window boxes planted already. And I do have flowers in the yard. So I push it every year. I take a rest. We can get snow up until you know, certainly the first of April, maybe a little past that, still having hard frost, but I just get excited. But uh, all of our daffodils are in bloom. All of our cherry blossoms are in bloom. And the Pacific Northwest really is an amazing place to garden. And I, I imagine being where you're at too, are you like in kind of a Aren't you at the foothills of the mountains? Uh, we're in the foothills of the mountains. We're, um, we're actually between two ranges, the Cascade Range and then our coastal range. And so we had this uh, valley that is very fertile. Um, we get a lot of uh, rain here, which helps. But yeah, we're in just the ideal spot to have amazing gardens. Yeah, I you you posted something I probably on Instagram stories this morning maybe oh, uh, yeah. uh, just like a good morning of your property, and she her daffodils are totally up, totally in bloom, surrounding her trees. Mine are maybe this big, and they all have. I went to inspect them because it's time for me to start <clears throat> putting out deer off because they'll start gnawing soon. But the tops of mine are all yellow because we've had so much cold and we, you know, so they've gotten, they've started to come up when we have one or two warm days and then they get nipped by the freeze. 
and so uh, they'll they'll be fine it happens every year but they just don't look they're this big they look awful well to be fair to you um my first daffodils that come out um at near my road they're just tiny little guys so they're in full bloom, but they're tiny. They're really not impressive. But I do have more seasonal bulbs in there. So I noticed today that my daffodils there are, are done blooming and they're starting to shrink back. And now my um, later spring bulbs are now coming up. And so it's just a constant, you know, um, cycle of the next flower that's coming up. So, yeah, my my earliest daffodils are not impressive because they do come up when it's still too cold outside. Still too cold. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I um, planted a ton of tulips last fall. So I'm hoping that between the squirrels and our weather, yeah. they come up i i'm i'm waiting to, i haven't seen one little bit but tulips are a little bit later than the they're, daffodils they're they're later than the daffodils and you know yeah. they're they can be hardy too so right if if you think about uh heritage gardens these daffodils come back year after year after year right. even after you know snows or you know, hard frost. So they're hardy. So I think right. it's going to look amazing. Right. Well, and from what I know, they need that cold. They do. To, they do. To come back. So mm -hmm. what flower in your garden is probably your favorite? I have two. One is wisteria. I have a lot of trellises around my garden and I have a dining pavilion. And so I have, I think that I have 27 different wisteria coming up. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I do get two blooms a year, which I'm really lucky. My early spring bloom, it's just bloom, um, but no leaves yet. And then later um, in the year, kind of early summer, I get another bloom. And then that bloom, I do have the greenery with it. So um, that's one of my favorites. And another is hydrangea. I probably have probably 32 hydrangea around our garden. It's it's kind of my staple. Uh, I have to tell you a funny story about my wisteria. I planted wisteria and I thought, oh, how pretty to have wisteria and the hanging purple flowers. It grew like crazy, but it never, ever, ever flowered for me. Oh, really? Never. And it got so stocky. And so, yeah, I took it down and I still every summer see little sprouts that come back. So it's not 100% gone. But yeah, my, hydrangea is one of my all time favorites, too. And I, I wish they flowered all. Well, some of mine flower for a pretty good length of time. Um, and I, I have quite a few varieties of hydrangeas in my yard too, but my other is peony and they are such oh, a short yes. period of time, you know, like when they, they bloom, if we have a rainstorm, they can be up and down in a couple of days. Mm -hmm. But last year was probably my best year for my peonies. We got so lucky. They bloomed. We had great weather. I don't know what the combination was, but they bloomed and stayed flowers for the longest period of time. And um, I had 
peonies in the house. I had peonies oh, outside the house. So they were, lucky. Yeah, yeah, it was a it was a great year last year. Hope we have it again this year. Wouldn't that be wonderful? Yeah. yeah. So what's your best tip for someone who wants flowers but doesn't have a whole lot of property? Containers on your patio are perfect. I have lived in condos for years, you know, between houses. And I use containers on my either my porch or on my balcony balcony that you can grow herbs, you can grow strawberries, and you can grow flowers in containers. And even uh, window boxes hung on the railing of your balcony is a great place to garden. Or and wall, wall gardens, too, are quite popular. My best tip that somebody, for somebody who doesn't have a lot of property or even somebody who just really isn't a huge gardener or just stepping into the whole gardening thing is pots, too. But herbs is something that Absolutely. grows so well in a pot. Um, and there is nothing like even if you're serving canned marinara sauce, throwing some fresh oregano and set fresh basil from your little pot can make that meal just a whole different flavor and just it make it elevates fresh. it so it easily elevates it yeah. yeah and sometimes even just that little sprig of of basil on the plate you know it just looks mm -hmm. so pretty i agree so anyway well i had so much fun talking with you and before we wrap this up i just have a few little questions that i'm going to ask okay. you okay um i think i know the answer to <laughs> just about <laughs> all of them but what is your blogging goal for this coming year? And I, I know this answer and I think it's a big one. I have a lot sharing. of blogging goals. Um, one thing that I am starting is uh, retreats for bloggers. The name of the retreats are Bloggers Inspiring Bloggers. And that's probably the most exciting thing, like we had talked about earlier, is we love helping each other, right? Inspiring each other. So um, you get to uh, come along beside me and, and so speak. And, and so it's just going to be a fun opportunity. We're going to have the retreats on my farm to where they're personal. We're inviting our friends into our home and uh, that will be fun. Yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it too. Even, even the whole planning process and everything just seems so fun and exciting and just yeah. a new adventure. Yes, a new adventure. Yeah, so it's exciting. And a home goal, I know you you have, I'm, I'm not even gonna ask you because you between your lake house and your farm, you have a lot going on. I have a lot. And you going just on. picked up a new project. Let's talk for one second about that. I have um, joined One Room Challenge, and it is a na national challenge, and um, that's fun with a six to eight week project where we show with our followers and um, design enthusiasts our projects from beginning to end. And we do constant updates, whether it's on our blog or on our social medias, but you get to see a lot of behind the scenes 
of putting a design together from start to finish. Now, is that the one where we vote? Other people, the public votes yes. on it? Yes. Yeah. So yes. You'll, be, you'll be bombarded with us saying vote for Peacock Ridge Farm. Oh, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> so where can people find you on social media? On social media, I'm on uh, Facebook at facebook.com slash Peacock Ridge Farm. On Instagram at Peacock Ridge. I'm on Pinterest and YouTube. And my blog, again, is PeacockRidgeFarm.com. And again, I will leave all that in the show notes so that you can follow Renee along with her journey and visit her home. And she, like me, is pretty open with you inviting you into her space and showing you her the beautiful things she does i i promise you you will be you will be amazed so thanks everyone for listening and i hope you enjoyed this episode as much as i did i will like i said i'll leave all the ways you can follow renee in the show notes thank you renee so much for joining thank you me so much lynn what a fun Thank you for listening to another episode of the podcast, Living Large in a Small House. If you enjoyed the podcast, please be sure to subscribe and leave these ladies a five-star rating. Check the show notes for any links and contact information. Also, visit livinglargeinasmallhouse.com to become a VIP member, which entitles you to the free resource library. And remember that love grows best in a small house.